welcome to episode 543 of the Aventing Radio Show, brought to you by the Aventing Riders Association of North America. This week on the show, we talk to English amateur event rider Stephen Lawrence. We also then head over to the United States to talk to Philip Dutton and Dom Schramm, because it's a bit of an interesting show at the moment. We have Liz busily uh, doing dressage, and in fact, as we speak, leading the dressage at the uh, the showcase at Aiken at the moment, at Aiken Horse Park, uh, at Bruce's Field. So uh, it's their first eventing showcase, and she's in the lead there, and she's doing some interviews there. So it's a little bit different show than what we're normally used to here on the Eventing Radio Show, but stay tuned. It'll be fun. I'm Paul Tapner coming to you this week from Wiltshire in the United Kingdom. This week, joining us remotely is Liz Halliday Sharp from Aiken, and I think our producer Jen Herbert will also join me here in the studio. And you are listening to the Eventing Radio Show. Woohoo! I get to talk, and it's not because the technology's breaking down, Paul. It's <laughs> the first time for everything. <laughs> Usually the only time you guys hear my voice is when something's breaking. But now it's not breaking, so we are all good. No, uh, everything's good. Uh, Liz is in the league. We're cheering her on. Liz Halliday is taking the United States eventing circuit by storm. I mean, she's over there just on a bit of a summer vacation away from uh, the the UK, and she's over there winning events left, right, and center, and uh, you know, leading the dressage in a, a very uh, high-caliber field at the first ever Aiken eventing showcase at Bruce's field. And that was a mouthful to get out, Jen. That was a mouthful, but she is on fire this year. First, the jockey club, which is sort of the, the opening solve for the season here in Ocala. And now she's going up to Aiken and she is kicking butt up there. And that's, that's a pretty high profile field that they have lined up this year and it's it's very similar to the wellington showcase it's that shortened squished down high energy format so there's a lot of atmosphere there's a lot of pressure so crossing our fingers that uh, only the first phase it's not our side show first phase so, so they've they've completed the first phase and uh liz has managed to do a couple of interviews what in between her riding and leading uh the uh, the, the the first phase uh, she's a professional well, you know, she, she's a multitasker at hand. And uh, so she's spoken to Dom Schramm, who we will hear from later. And she's spoken to Philip Dutton, who we'll hear from later. Uh, so uh, that's going to be entertaining to see what uh, they have to say about the, the great show there and this, this new showcase idea. And, now, and then I believe they're show jumping this evening under lights, perhaps. Uh, and then they get, uh, they're obviously, you know, kick on into a bit of a party because they've, they've allowed themselves a bit of a sleep in tomorrow morning and they don't go cross country till tomorrow afternoon. So I think that's actually sounds like a good idea for a venture. So civilized. Yeah, so civilized. civilized. <laughs> we like a, we like a, you know, a weekend sleep in and, and, uh, but still get to go and have a bit of cross country. Yeah. I, I think that is going to be a popular format with competitors and spectators alike. Indeed. Well, um, Speaking about getting in a bit of cross-country uh, on the weekend, uh, there's been some very positive news uh, around the eventing scene recently. 
John T. Evans, Irish event rider, who we very nearly lost due to a head injury, a very, very severe injury, put him in a, a coma for a very long time uh, at the t- from the Tattersall's uh, competition in, in Ireland. And, um, you know, not only has is he still alive. I mean, there, let's be honest, most most of his mates, we didn't think we were ever going to see him again. We, we, we thought he was a goner. Um, we didn't expect him to, to pull through and come out of hospital. But not only has he done that, but uh, he's back up and about walking around and, and, and um, not only walking around, he's, he's got back on a horse. Admittedly, the first time he, the first horse he got back on was a mechanical horse. But um, I spoke to him, and it was all part of his rehabilitation because uh, when I caught up with him, he was telling me how he'd actually, throughout his life, as a professional event rider, spent more hours riding a horse than he'd ever done walking around. Um, so actually, his muscle memory of his body has a lot more muscle memory of riding horses than it does of walking or running or any other coordination. How interesting is that? I did not know. Yeah, so this is fascinating. So the the physiotherapist, so he's had to learn to do everything again. He's had a very, very, very severe and significant head injury. And um, so he's absolutely had to learn everything again. He's learned to to speak again. He's learned to walk again. And and he's learned to run again. But, you know, the the walking and the running was, was such hard progress for him that this is when they suddenly sort of realized that actually let's get him on a horse because this is about muscle memory. So they got him on a mechanical horse and he said it was, it was just like being, you know, putting on an old pair of comfortable slippers again. It it just made sense to his body. So, um, the mechanical horse was very, very quickly short shafted and, and onto a proper horse. And, and he did admit to me that it was a riding school horse. It was a, a it was a, a, a proper um, RDA horse that he actually borrowed from a riding for disabled group because they, they were, you know, obviously very worried about how he would react and how his body well, reacted. Yeah, you ca- he can't and afford to have another head injury. Hello. That is the point. That is the point. It, it, it is it is impossible for him to be allowed to fall off again. So, um, because it, you know it, 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 this this was highly likely to be a, a, a collumative effect of head injuries on John T of the the final one that uh, that caused such um, you know uh, unchangeable damage to him or or long term damage to him. So. Uh, you know, it's it's very important that he went very very slowly, and, he, and he's done this all very measured. So, uh, a mechanical horse, then an RDA horse, and then but you know, obviously, it was making huge amounts of difference to his physical and mental recovery from from this injury. So, and then we we see shots of him actually on art now. Art, his horse art, is is famous before Jonty had all of these problems um, for being the people's horse. Now, Jen, you can probably tell us a little bit more about that because I believe you've got firsthand experience of it. I do have firsthand experience. Uh, back when uh, the owners of Art uh, made the decision that they would sell him on, um, Art was heartbroken because he is he is Jonty's horse. Right, it's Jonty's horse. So Jonty got this clever idea to do some crowdfunding and purchase art. Well, he's a four-star horse. He's big, big bucks. So people from all over the world chipped in their dollars and their pounds and their pesos, and we all got a little piece of art. And I think I'm pretty sure I own a little piece of his forelock. I think that's my part. You like that forelock? Okay, that's yes. fine. You, you've, you're claiming putting a stake of claim on Art's forelock, or that's right. So I'm very excited to see Jaunty back aboard uh, Art. And not only was he on Art, he was caught. 
I think it was supposed to be clandestine, but somebody got pictures of him hopping over some logs out on like a little cross country course. Yeah. Indeed. So uh, he's made it out of the, the school. He's made it off the, the mechanical horse, off the RDA horse, onto his most famed four-star horse, the horse that's taken him around badminton's burleys and to, to championship level. And, uh, you know, the, he's famous for crowdfunding. It was such an emotional story. And the emotions keep running as we now see Jonty popping over a couple of little logs under some very strict guidance. We, you know, you turn the sound up on that video, uh, the unmistakable voice of Pammy Hutton is booming at him, telling him what to do. And and anybody who knows uh, the um, equestrian scene in the United Kingdom will know how, what a formidable and famous person Pammy Hutton is. Uh, so uh, she, she, he was certainly, let's say, very well supervised, even if uh, perhaps it was uh, a, a little bit sneaky and a little bit, um, you know, probably against the wishes of his physicians. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But you know, where he's an event rider, there's yes. no, there's no stopping him. He's going to try and 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 keep going down those routes. So, uh, I, when I spoke to John T, he was under no illusion that he was ever going to ride at this uh, at the elite level that he he obviously did before his accident. But this is all a, a hugely important part of of his rehabilitation, and uh, it's just a fantastic thing to see. It's very, it's just really exciting to see him putting in the time. And when you, when, like you said, when you talk to him, he really is dedicated to the long game. It's not just about, can I get, I want to get back and compete again. It's the, the long game incremental um, steps. And I was so excited to see the little video of him just cantering happily over some little logs in a field. And like you said, the, the voice of reason right there, making sure that the adrenaline that is going to be so familiar to him doesn't just kick in and, you know, off I go into the sunset. No, 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 no. We're going to keep this measured. So it's pretty exciting <laughs> that's, stuff. That, that's, a, again, an interesting take, isn't it? The, the adrenaline kicks in in the event rider and he, he gets all of those memories flooding back of uh, firing out of a four-star cross-country course and yeah. off well, he gallops and, and into the too, distance. And for that matter, be, when you yeah, think about exactly. it, you know, yes. Artie's going, wait, here's my guy, we're back. And yeah. you can tell that Art is really exuberant. He is having a great time. Indeed, uh, but uh, it's it's all good fun and, and certainly a, a positive story uh, coming out of that. And, uh, you know, this time of year, it's uh, a tough time of year for uh, event riders in the UK and uh, Europe because, it's you know, the weather is just, it's just depressing. Let's face it, that's all there is to it. It is just plain depressing. But having said that, uh, the, the the beast from the east that brought all of the snow this time last year has not come around, and we've had some nice spring weather. So everybody's been getting out on cross-country courses. They've been getting out in the grass and training hard, ready for the first events of the season. And a handful of riders have made it down a long two- or three-day trip down to Portugal uh, for the Barocca Sunshine Tour, two weeks of eventing to kick off the season. The keen beans get down there and start a month earlier than the rest of us up here. Uh, so, uh, and and then there's some other keen beans like the Tim, the, the team Price, who've gone down to Spain. So equally far south, but they've gone a little bit uh, uh, left-handed instead of the right-handed to Portugal. So, uh, and they're doing a, the sunshine, one of the sunshine tours of show jumping. So, a, li a, a small exodus of uh, pro event riders and, and pro show jump riders head down to Portugal and Spain this time of year. And uh, but we are, uh, you know. 
excited to find out the results of that the the first of which will be after this weekend and then the next series uh next weekend before then uh, we kick off into the proper eventing in europe uh and catch all you guys up in in australasia and uh and uh america uh ready to uh kick start yet another 2019 eventing season it's going to get hot and heavy in a big hurry so why don't we uh why don't we take a listen here to our first guest that Liz chatted with, and I believe that is um, Philip Dutton, dun, 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 the man. So let's have a listen. Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show is top event rider Philip Dutton. Philip, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Thank you, Liz. So we're here at the wonderful Bruce's Field in Aiken. It's been a very, very wet day, but that doesn't take away from what a great event this showcase is. Yes, we're uh, really excited to have this event here in town, and this was kind of Bruce Duchess' was, uh, vision for <clears throat> this horse park, and uh, so we're excited with the entries, and uh, certainly, like you said, the weather's not ideal, <laughs> but uh, we, are, we do do an outdoor sport, and so that's part of it, and uh, it's shaping out to be a great competition. So just um, explain to our listeners who maybe don't know all about this eventing Grand Prix showcase that we're doing here, just what it's all about, what, what has been done to this field to make this possible, and some of the other important factors. Right, well, it's a shortened version of, of, of eventing. Uh, the cross-country is all run here in the park, um, so it's a, it's a much shorter cross-country, and it goes through the arenas and through the car park and through the stabling, and uh, <laughs> so it's quite exciting. Um, and uh, we've got the whole town uh, involved and the, the communities involved and <clears throat> we're trying to raise a lot of money for the local charities. So uh, each rider drew a local charity and they ride for that charity and in the hopes of raising money for them. And those riders were auctioned off last <laughs> night and uh, it was a lot of fun, especially after a few bottles of wine. Everybody got <laughs> uh, pretty generous and uh, so all in all, it's a win for everyone. Yeah, 100%. It was a great party last night. And um, I, I understand that the top three riders will actually get extra money donated to the charity that um, they were joined up with. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I think uh, the, the charities get uh, 70% of the money and uh, uh, the riders get some. And uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's good for the riders. It's good for the horses. It's a uh, you know, high atmosphere uh, arena here. And uh, so it's good practice for us all to be able to canter down that center line or to jump the jumps there tonight. And, uh, and uh, you know, and it'll be the cross country. It won't be a super big course, but you'll have to go pretty quick. Yeah, so I'm sure everybody can hear a little bit, bit of background noise. We really are right here next to the dressage arena. There's only four riders left to go. The jumping will be later on this evening in reverse order of placing. Then we have the cross-country course tomorrow, and it is very, very twisty. They've upped the qualifications this year so that you have to have brought a qualified advanced horse. Have you had a chance to walk the course yet, Philip? Uh, I haven't walked it on foot. I've, you know, I'm involved with the organising committee, so I've been driven around a couple of times. But uh, I think Mark's done a good job. He is the uh, he is kind of the king in the of the world at uh, this kind of thing. Well, he's obviously great at designing all courses, but uh, he's probably had more experience with this uh, showcase uh, eventing Grand Prix kind of stuff. And uh, so we've all got our faith in him that it's going <laughs> to ride well and. Uh, but, you know, it is on a small bit of land, like you said, Liz, and uh, so you need a, a horse that can turn pretty quickly and adjust pretty quickly and then get away from the jumps as well. 
Well, with that in mind, you've brought a fairly younger, uh, less experienced horse here, but one that certainly has a very big future ahead. Just tell us a little bit about him and why you brought him to this competition. Yes, it's uh, Fernhill Singapore, and he does have a big future. He's a... Uh, uh, he was not the easiest for me at the moment. He's uh, hasn't been exposed to any big atmosphere, and uh, that showed a bit this morning. But uh, he's got all the movement and the jump, and he just needs to get a little bit more seasoned. And uh, so I thought it'd be a good experience for him to come here and um, start to get a feel for the big time. And uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully he'll come out of it a better horse. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Eventing Radio Show. We wish you luck for the show jumping later on and, of course, the cross country. And just a reminder to everyone that there, uh, you can probably look at this, uh, all the live stream on EQ Sportnet. I believe there will be a playback um, if you aren't able to watch it live. Thanks, Philip. Springtime Supplements has been dedicated to improving the lives of horses with Springtime brand of supplements. And they've been doing it since 1979. Have you heard about their ahi flower oil? We all know the importance of essential fatty acids for horses, but recently a plant was discovered to provide completely balanced omega-3, 6 and 9, and they call it ahi flower. Until now, you had a few options. You could use fish oil, but let's face it, horses are herbivores. They don't like fish oil, and they did not evolve to consume it. There's also flax, but ahi flower has been shown in clinical studies to provide better omega-3, 6 and 9 absorption and balance in horses. It's proven to be better than flax or fish. This is the type of expertise that you'll get from Springtime, who are always at the forefront of the latest research. And don't forget that Springtime also has a full line of canine supplements to keep your dogs at peak wellness too. Visit them on their website. It's springtimeinc.com slash eventing. When you go to the website springtimeinc.com slash eventing, you will receive an automatic 15% off and free shipping just for mentioning this show. So make sure you do. That website again, springtimeinc.com slash eventing. Or just give them a call on 800 521 321 one two joining us now on the eventing radio show is australian superstar rider dom shram dom welcome to the eventing radio show thanks for having me guys so dom this is kind of cool because you're here riding in this wonderful aiken showcase Mm -hmm. and you were commentating on all of the wellington showcases you're always a big installment there on the live stream but you never had a chance to ride in them so so what has the experience been so far uh well it's been great you know these showcases are a great thing for our sport i think and um, we saw that in how successful the wellington one was we had a lot of fun doing the commentary down there but, um, you know, I rode my horse here this morning. It's a lot of atmosphere. Um, and, um, yeah, no, it's been an absolute thrill so far. And I think it's really good for the sport for us to be having these and getting new people, um, you know, exposed to eventing. So, Dom, you did your test on Boletaire B, who is your Kentucky ride. That's mm-hmm. the fingers crossed yes. plan A. Yep. Um, now, there is a ton of atmosphere here. He was a little bit on mm-hmm. edge, a little excited, but... Do you think that was maybe good for you to see where he's at and you can then practice going forward? Absolutely. You know, like, of course, you want to go in there and throw down. And he sort of, I've improved the dressage just with myself and my horse a lot in this last six months. He's done a couple of really good tests. And then you sort of come in and kind of blow it all right before you go in. 
But like you said, at least now I know a little bit more what to expect, especially with the big dance kind of coming. Um, I'm going to adjust my preparation for the next show at the Fork, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, if we make it to Kentucky, I'll have a little bit of a better plan to deal with that pressure. So, Because he's a very good horse, and I think if you can go down the center line, we were talking earlier, if I can keep my leg on him and he lets me ride him going down the center line, I, can, I think I'm capable of doing a good test, but we're just... We're just still ironing out some kinks. Well, it is difficult with those horses that get so hot sometimes in the ring. And once they're sort of beyond you, it's very hard to get hold of them, isn't it? And, um, you know, I think you you rode the best that you could with with what you had today. And it doesn't help as well. You know, we're talking about the atmosphere. Here we've got so many cross-country jumps around the dressage ring. I don't think I've ever seen so many different jumps. I'm talking like a skinny that looks like a squirrel, a giant corner, uh, two other triple brushes, like four tables. I mean, what's it's, that been like? Uh, he And he's the kind of horse, he's not stupid. You know, he goes around <laughs> and like he'll, I was, I was doing the ring familiarization yesterday and literally as I went past the table that's up by C, he almost spooked and jumped into the dressage ring. And I'm just like, <laughs> you got to slow your roll, man. We just got to stay chill for tomorrow and then you can go fast. But uh no, it's it's just one of these things where I think you know the the as part of their journey to the top level is some of these ones that are a bit harder have to learn how to deal with pressure and you have to learn how to ride them when they're under pressure. So you know that's just something we're still working on. But he's a very, he's a very good horse and he will one day I'm going to drop a big bomb and everyone's going to go, <laughs> where'd this come from? And I'm like, well, I've been working on it for years. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now these sort of formats, I spoke with uh, Philip Dutton briefly about this. I think they are brilliant for our sport. These showcase events. Um, they make it possible for owners, sponsors, everyone to actually watch everything happen. It makes for the riders very, very tight, very twisty course. But do you agree? Do you think this is our sport needs a few more of these to give another avenue for certain horses, a, a road for riders to make some money? You know, every all of the stuff that this tightened, compact system does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that if, if there's any pushback on this kind of thing, a lot of it is is they don't people don't want to see the sport go this direction. I think you've got to think about it more as this is a complement to the, the other sport, the other side of the sport. We all know that, you know, CCI five stars is very different to a horse trials. And this is kind of like another, yet another, you know, um, complementary uh, version of our sport that's just really easy to, to help people get an in to understand what we do. Um, and, you know, at this level, most of these riders that are here, or all these riders here are, are pretty competent and I'm sitting on good horses. So the fact that it is a little twisty, you know, you're hoping that these riders are of a level and the horses are of experience that they can adjust to that and make it still keep it safe. So, you know, to see all these owners in one place, all having a ball, all these new sponsors, there's new companies here that are getting involved that may not have in the past. So, you know, you can't, you, I don't know how you could say that that's a negative, you know, as long as it's it's you know maintains that it's 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 exposing people to the sport I and mean, yet they can going to get introduced to maybe going to shows like Kentucky or stuff like that you know I think then it's really good and I think it's really useful and you know if you get to win a bit of money like <laughs> we all put so much money and so much time in wouldn't it be nice to be able to call your owner and bring him home a check for once you know because it's it's hard to do that otherwise so I think it's great well I totally agree and I think um I, I sort of agree that it could be a compliment to the sport. And I'm, I'm hoping we can have a few more of these competitions. They're, they're a great avenue for maybe the horse, sort of like my guy, that doesn't want to do long format anymore, but it yeah, still gives them exactly. something to do because he's still a great horse, still a good eventer. And also, you know, like you say, we, we work so hard and we spend so much money. And you look at the money that comes into show jumping compared to what we have here. But I think the reason for that, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, is because it is all in one place. So they can generate a huge amount of 
you know, visual push, they get the sponsors in. So perhaps if we could have a series of this sort of thing, maybe yeah. three or four a year, do you think then perhaps we could bring some more money into the sport and more prize money? And do you think it would get to the level of show jumping? I don't know if we're ever going to get to the level of show jumping. I mean, I would like to think we could because we have such a great sport, you know, and, and the fact that those cross-country jumps, I think a lot of people come here and go, wait, they're going to jump those, you know, and I think that's really, you know, Sam Watson was talking about that just, just recently, you know, in his article about that. We have such a cool, unique thing and versus show jumping and even dressage for that matter, they're all in the one place, you know, so they can have five course meals and entertainment and you know hobnob around a little bit when you've got people you know walking around on a, on a cross-country course and they, you can only see one jump at a time it's very hard in the, so, mud. <laughs> in the mud yeah not knowing which horse is who or whatever so yes i definitely think this is is good and a series is great because you know a little bit like kind of the track that erm has been so exactly. successful with is it kind of build as a reason to follow you know like people follow their favorite football teams you know we don't we haven't really had that in the past or it's been difficult for new fans whereas something like this i think you could definitely start to tap into that and now all of a sudden the sport starts getting taken a bit more seriously and when it starts getting more serious more corporate sponsorship more prize money you know and it, that that process goes you know I, I do understand and i do read and see things where people sort of are hailing for the old you know yeah. and and, you know, to be fair, there are some points where you don't want to go so far you forget what the sport was about. I totally understand that. But at the same time, too, I think we have to be prepared to adapt and uh, I think we have to be prepared to, you know, to do what's best for the sport because at the end of the day, we want to keep going. We want it to be sustainable. And, um, and change is good as long as it's controlled and it's the way we want it. And, uh, you know, they're doing such a great job here. The quality is good. And, um, you know, I think they're trying to do it the right way. And so I think it could only be a plus. Yeah. I couldn't possibly agree with you more. And, um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about this actual cross-country course that we've got presented here for us. I've not had a chance to walk around yet. I don't know if you have, but certainly they've done a beautiful job presenting the fences. Mark Phillips done an incredible design work. A lot of fences have been put in permanently just for this competition, yeah. which is fantastic. And I understand the same person who painted and dressed the fences for WEG has done these. So it really is spectacular, isn't it? It's crazy. And if you've been in this town of Aiken, you'll see some of the jumps are actually like Aiken landmarks. So, you know, the post office has got two corners off of it. And the, the fox squirrel is kind of known for being around here. You know, like that's just so cool, that level of detail. You know that the people in this community think that that's pretty neat, you know, to see their, their stuff from their own town there that's going to get worldwide exposure. You know, I think th that, that's that element that sometimes we're missing, that sort of professional. It, you know, I was looking at that cannon jump off the bank there. It looks like something you'd see at Burley or, yeah. you know, it really looks like a, you know, world-class kind of jumps and, and quality. So, you know, you build that kind of stuff and you expect that kind of level of competition, you're going to only grow and I think only get better better you know more exciting spectacle you know and uh and you know th at the end of the day we're all here for the horses you know so as long as the horses are performing well and and uh you know stepping up and you get to see how amazing they are that's really what we're trying to promote more than anything so we're standing here dom in this vip tent um i'm sure everyone can hear a little bit of the background noise we've just had boyd martin finish his dressage test we've only got a couple more to go i think um and then what they're going to do is turn this ring around and put our show jumping course in, which will start this evening, 4 p.m. 
reverse order of placing for maximum exposure and excitement. Um, what do you think that's going to be like tonight? They usually big it big in these, uh, build it big in these competitions, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I think, you know, if, if the dressage is anything to go off, I mean, it was definitely a little electric in there. So, you know, to have the crowd here and everyone's probably going to have a glass of wine in their hand <laughs> and a little bit of excitement, I think it's great, you know, and that for us to great practice for us to be able to ride under those conditions. You know, I think it's going to be big, and uh, the way that the dressage is looking right now, I could really turn around. I mean, it's pretty tightly bunched, and we all know, like, even a good horse can have a silly pole down on any given night. So, you know, we'll see. I think it'll be exciting (laughs) either way. Well, we're all going to give it our best shot. Thank you very much, Dom, for being on the Eventing Radio Show, and we wish you the best of luck this evening. Thank you so much. The Eventing Riders Association of North America is the collective voice of riders, equine professionals, and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show is an amateur event writer from the United Kingdom who is a a bit of a mate of mine, and he's been hassling me for probably about a year to be a guest on the Eventing Radio Show because we always get the guests who are elite-level riders, somebody who's just won a three-star, a four-star, or maybe this year even a five-star. But my mate Stephen, Stephen Lawrence, he's said, come on, you've got to get on a grassroots rider who is the vast majority of our listeners and, uh, you know, find out what it's like from their point of view. So, Stephen, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. Good to chat to you. Now, Stephen, uh, we obviously chat uh, quite a bit uh, away from the eventing radio show and, and, and in the eventing scene. You are, a, a, as I mentioned, an, an amateur event writer. So just explain to our listeners, you've got a day job and an event horse. How does that work for you? What's, what's the day job and, and what happens with the event horse? How do you fit it all in? So generally quite long days. Uh, so I work uh, predominantly in London. I work myself, which is quite helpful at times. I've got quite a geeky, techie job. Um, so I work as a short consultant. Uh, so I basically use my, pimp my skills out to large companies and make sure their security is all fine. Um, and in the evening when you're back from London, I go and buy my event horse. Um, generally, currently, because it's winter over in the UK, generally in the dark. Uh, luckily, I've mean, got good facilities. Um, so I've got an indoor school, which is, quite, which is really nice, um, or an outdoor school, which is funded as well. So generally, very long days. Over the generally in the winter, it's been quite cold and wet. But luckily, it's sort of come to start the season now, so hopefully some sunshine will be coming through. Indeed, uh, the the optimism and ev- that is essential to every single event rider is uh, very evident there in the way you speak about the uh, the sunshine coming through. Because this time of year, being an event rider in the UK and possibly uh, anywhere in Europe is just plain hard work. And and, and these American listeners or, or these American event riders, I must say. Um, We'll know that they they do an awful lot of travelling in America. They migrate. They're like migratory birds, you know, going 
chasing the sun but we don't get to do quite so much of that in the uk that the, the sunshine tour down in portugal and spain has just started this week so there is a handful of riders that have made a very long trek south to get an extra two weeks but that's all of competition in uh, but as you mentioned Stephen, the, the the rest of our mere mortals have to slog it out in the dark under floodlights in the cold or or if we're lucky in indoor schools so we're certainly uh, welcoming the the spring coming along and uh, then it all starts to become uh, a little bit more worthwhile and those long days that you're putting in will uh, get ready to get you out competing so mate have you entered your first competition what's the plan uh, yes yeah, so the first competition entered uh, i'm off to lark hill so i think that's in six weeks time so gearing up for that do, focusing quite heavily on my dressage and jumping um off cross country schooling hopefully tomorrow depending on how bad the weather is over the week over tonight um, so yeah, definitely gearing up to, to the start of the season. And with your, hard work. with your one horse, what, what level are you starting out at or what level are you currently competing at? Um, so we started out doing, um, a B90, um, and then take it from there, really see how I progress throughout the season. Um, speak to my coach, see how he thinks I'm progressing, see how I can move forward. Um, and then hopefully by the end of the season, we're doing, um, hundred novice see see it and how it all goes so yeah well it's it sounds like you've got a good plan happening there now um again you're you're very i would suggest very stereotypical of, of the vast majority of our, our listeners and like you say competing at 90 and 100 and, and hoping to go novice so ambitions that match most of our listeners and 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 perhaps not the type of uh, rider that we we often speak to on the eventing radio show. So so just share with our listeners a little bit about how you got into eventing because I believe you 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 haven't been a horse person all of your life, have you? And, and most people that are in eventing have have grown up around horses. No, um, I came to sport very late. So I started riding um, just after my thirtieth birthday. Um, I was. Well, so are we allowed to people. ask are we allowed to ask how old you are now so we've got a gauge on uh, how many years you've been riding uh, uh yeah yeah i'm 30 uh, 39 so i've been riding for nine eight nine years now um so yeah it's, and what was the motivation been, to start riding Stephen? uh so it's basically a bet in the pub after a few beers um, <laughs> why does that not surprise all- me <laughs> That's all good stories start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So I was, I was in a pub having a few beers, uh, and we were discussing a few things, uh, and one of the guys came around and went, well, we learn to ride. It's probably that hard. You just sit on the horse. And I went, yeah, riding is quite easy. You just sit there and do nothing. So subsequently, um, that, the following week, I booked some lessons up. went, horse riding, not that hard, is it? You just sit on the horse. No, actually quite hard, quite difficult, especially at the age of 30, uh, learn to ride. Um, wholly different skill sets. Uh, luckily, I've done quite a lot of fitness beforehand, so I've played quite a lot of rugby, done quite a lot of triathlon, so I was fairly physically fit in that that way. But it was just the whole different skill set, coordination was totally different. So yeah, it was, it was definitely an uphill struggle and challenge, but something I sort of really enjoyed. I really still do enjoy now. So. So from that, that beer and that bet and that first riding lesson and then all of the challenges you've just said, 
what exactly was it that hooked you on on uh, on just keeping on going back for the riding? Um, the exhibition, um, basically the buzz off of it, the the the, the adrenaline rush to a certain extent. Um, so it was, I started to get a bit bored with going around school, and then the introduced jumping, which was a bit, bit more exciting. And then from that, I was going out around woods and finding various things to jump, um, and then getting my own horse and then that was a whole different level once I got my own horse again um, of taking it out to shows competing so it's just basically the, the rush the adrenaline rush adrenaline bug to a certain extent well you're definitely a true event rider then if you're talking about adrenaline buzzes and adrenaline rushes when it comes to horses so uh, I don't need to ask what was the hook into eventing then that, that that's quite clear now um, you are from what I know of yourself, you're a little bit of a uh, an eventing fan and an eventing group. You, you love uh, watching the, the the big boys do their stuff. So, did that just come out of a as a, a progression of of being interested in the sport, or how how about that? Or was it just trying to learn from these guys, or was it something that you um you know you had a bit of an interest in before you got the bet happening? No, basically, it's all been drawn out from this one bet. Um, so it's basically trying to improve myself as a rider, knowing that I've come to the sport too too old to do anything such like yourself or any of the big boys up there now. Um, but just trying to do the best I can um, at my age and trying to achieve more for myself and for my horse than for anyone else, really. So and- it's just watching, watching and learning, trying and watching the top riders trying to pick up what they're doing, trying to see what they're doing. So learning off watching is quite a good, I find that quite helpful to watch you. Well, it certainly uh, helped me throughout my career, and I, I would certainly uh, imitate uh, a lot of the riders I admire, even uh, at the level uh, that I've achieved. So certainly a good way forward there. And now, Stephen, I know you've also been um, very, very good to our sport and volunteered an awful lot at organising events. Yeah, I've tried to get back to the sport uh, as much as I can. Um, it's, it's a two-way street, um, I think. As much as you are, you do learn, um, you, again, it goes back to watching what happens at events, watching these top event riders doing what they're doing. Uh, as, as an amateur rider um, and not coming from a horsey background whatsoever, it, it's good to get up, up close and personal and see what they're doing, see how they tackle the horses, see what tack they're using, see what studs they put in see how they warm up, see how they change for different phases. So for me, it's quite useful. Although I'm not competing, I can see what the, the top-level guys are doing. So therefore, it's, it's good. It you've, certainly, uh, you've certainly immersed, from my knowledge of what you've done in your volunteering role, uh, you've certainly immersed yourself at the elite level of the uh, sport because you've been a, a key volunteer in the event rider masters organizing team which is uh how uh not how you and i've got to know each other but certainly uh uh how we've become good mates and uh so you know with with that and getting in, involved and and seeing all that behind the scenes stuff you just mentioned with the event rider masters has it changed your perception of eventing has it changed your perception of the eventing people that the, those top level elite level event riders that you've now uh, got to know a little bit more behind the scenes I think so, yeah. I think when you see them on the TV or you see them around events, they seem quite not approachable and they are the top of the sport. But 
when you go when you go and sit down and have a beer with them and chat to them, they are just generally normal people, and their day job is just horses, uh, but they're very good at their day job. Um, so it's quite easy to sit there and chat to them and have a conversation and, and go and over a beer or have a coffee with them. That doesn't happen that much, though. It's generally always a beer. Uh, <laughs> Careful. Yeah, <laughs> Talking cool. about elite-level athletes here, Stephen. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's it, though. They are, just, they are just normal people, though, at the end of the day. Um, but they'd say they are just very good at what they do. So it's quite nice to be able to because I've worked in Event Rider Masters or volunteered for Event Rider Masters, it's quite nice to be able to have that sort of chat to them about how the day's gone, how the horse is going, um, and and them seeing them happy or fairly grumpy, depending on how the cross country round's gone um, at Event Rider Masters. Uh, so, yeah, it's been interesting. Indeed, uh, like you say, the, the the event riders there that are involved in that elite level, they, they get grumpy, they get happy, they get focused, uh, and they uh, certainly get the job done. So, Stephen, uh, you, you sound very stereotypical of, of an event rider talking about these long hours. Anybody that has a courses or anybody that has an, a, an event horse knows the long hours, puts in the hard work, and always looks forward to the next event. So you mentioned your first events at Lark Hill. Uh, I know you're looking forward to that, and I'm sure all of our listeners will uh, join me in wishing you the best of luck uh, for your competition season. Thank you very much. Now, I know also you are quite prominent on uh, social media, and, and always we always get our, our um, interviewees the chance to sell themselves to the world. So we're going to aim for our listeners now to triple your following on social media. I know you're on the gram and maybe even Facebook, but maybe your Facebook's private. So, you know, how would you like our listeners to follow your progress and keep up with uh, all your uh, social media posts? Um, so it's quite simple. Um, I'm grassroots rider. Um, that's my Instagram tag and that's my Twitter tag. So if you guys would like to follow me, that'd be perfect. Triple my followership. That'd be great. That's, that won't be hard, I don't think, have that many followers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Challenge accepted, and we will do so. Thank you very much for joining us on the Eventing Radio Show, Stephen. Thanks for listening to the Eventing Riders Association of North America podcast. You can learn more about the Eventing Riders Association of North America at the website eraofna.com. As always, you can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. You can... <laughs> You're on a roll, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <clears throat> and just pick it up where he left off. As always, you can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. We're on Facebook as well, so follow The Eventing Radio on Facebook. It's easy. You just search The Eventing Radio Show, and we're on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at Eventing Radio. Listen to The Eventing Radio Show anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone and Android devices. Just go to your app store and search for the Horse Radio Network. And, of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks again to Springtime Supplements for supporting this show. Don't forget to mention the eventing show when you place your order on their website for a 15% discount and free shipping of your products. I've been Tappers in your ears. 
And as always, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search for Tapner Eventing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.